Welcome, everyone, to Force of Nature Podcast. I'm your host, Matthew D. Hamilton, and I'm here with my co-host, David Bodger. Terrific. This episode, we have some unpredictable, strange, and bizarre animal stories. This is actually our second edition, our second time doing this. We did our first one way back in episode 43. Okay. And since then, I've sat on a few stories. Like, I found them, kind of either screenshot it uh-huh. so I could remember it or saved it on the tab. And I was like, oh, yeah, this was from months ago. And I, I figured this would be a good time to share some of those stories. And right I found on. some new ones. Right on. But, yeah, I wanted to share uh, but didn't have the place for them. So I decided to do it for this episode. I think okay. it's a good idea. Uh, lots of crazy animal stories uh, this episode. it will be. It's going to be lots of fun, Dave. Okay. And Dave, you also have, I told you to find a story, cool story for us as yeah. well, right? And you got yeah. one. Mm-hmm. Okay. Awesome. It's going to be fun. Uh, we hope everyone enjoyed our last episode on the strange Tasmanian devils. I really learned a lot about them and yeah. hopefully everyone else did too. Weird little animals though. Huh? Oh yeah, they are. Well, a quick intro today, but uh, as always, we are joined in the studio by everyone's favorite cheetah, Professor Cheetor. Well, gentlemen... It's nice to finally see you again. It's been over a fortnight since we last recorded. What is the deal with that? Well, uh, that is true. We, we, we've we we've had some COVID scares. I've had to get tested a couple, yeah. uh, once. Uh, luckily, I had to just do the spit test. Oh, that's And good. not the one up the nose. I was even so the, happy. Even the spit test could be hard when you have a dry mouth. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, I, it was. You're like, jeez, I'm, I don't have that much spit in my body. <laughs> but yeah, I'm so glad I didn't have to do the up the nose one. But yeah, we have it, it been we've been really busy here, and we didn't have a. I had a COVID scare. My best friend got it, so and I was with him that weekend, and luckily I didn't end up getting it. Okay. But a couple, uh, two other people did oh, from did him. They? Yeah, oh, so wow. yeah, it was. We had to take some time off for that. Uh, I didn't want to come over here and you know accidentally get Dave and his family sick too so <laughs> that's fair enough right but yeah, yeah we're we're back yeah, don't you worry can't, don't want to get professor cheetor right, sick of course not worse. professor cheetor no he's working he's i think he's still working on a vaccine anyway oh, yeah, he'll get back true. to us on that he probably has he, he, he probably want, just gave it to himself and he just doesn't want to tell us yeah <laughs> all right well, Until uh, we put out another episode. <laughs> <laughs> Until we put out like six more episodes. That's the mark we'll let us yeah. have it. <laughs> uh, and as always, we want to thank all of our listeners for tuning in to us. Uh, we've been doing really well. October was our best month, even oh, though we yeah. only put out like one episode. So that's awesome. Thank you very much, guys. And also, I will say, like the other day, I got I got two different messages from fans. Uh, one from India, and the other from I think Ohio. Oh, okay. But they just getting those two the messages. It, I was like, all right, I'm gonna buckle down and get. We got to get this episode out oh, this right week. On. It just made me want to do it more. So yeah. I'm just saying that we really appreciate it. So thank yeah. you for doing that. Yeah, it helps give some motivation, you guys. I, it really does. Yeah. Yes. And if you enjoy the show, something you can do is c- to contribute is go to iTunes, Apple Podcasts, whatever platform you use. Be sure to give us five stars. Uh, give us a review. You can say whatever you want in the review. You can tell us what your favorite sandwich is. You can or probably tell us what your favorite animal is or something. It doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> so that would be that would make more sense. But uh, the ratings and reviews really do help our podcast kind of gain more attention, gain more listeners. So go ahead and do that for us. It means a lot. But Dave, are you ready? We're just I'm let's ready. just get this going, man. We got lots of stories to cover. So for our first story, we are going to the African nation of Namibia. Namibia, hmm. yes. Okay. Is uh this it's in southern Africa, northwest of South Africa. Okay. So a good amount of the country is on the Atlantic Ocean, and it also borders Angola and Botswana. Okay. And it's very dry. It's a very dry, deserty country. Mm. Uh, just a very harsh, unforgiving environment. And uh, I, I kind of just ran into this story by accident, but found it very interesting because it's not something that you would think about. So lions live along what's called the Skeleton Coast region, mm. which is considered the driest region in sub-Saharan Africa. Huh. And here in this desert area, lions normally hunt what we normally kind of associate them hunting, like wildebeest, zebra, oranks, ostriches, and other things like that, right? Mm -hmm. But over the last few years, their normal prey has thinned out a bit. Mm. So the lions have adapted to hunting some new prey. Uh, They've gone to the beaches and have begun killing marine life. 
Oh, I thought they were going to say uh, beachgoers. <laughs> Beach uh, I'm like, geez, sharks? Now we got land sharks, uh, lions? It's like, man, the coast is just off limits. No, they're not hunting humans okay, on the coast. Okay, okay. Uh, but there have been recordings of these lions hunting and eating seals. Oh, wow. Doesn't this start... Sound like the start of a West Side Story? Sharks versus lions. Sharks. Hey, man, you're in our turf Sounds now. more like a, a sci-fi channel show. <laughs> you're in our show. surf now. Yeah. It, I could see that happening. Turn it into a musical, you know. Roar. <laughs> uh, but yeah, lions hunting seals, not something you would think of. No. At all. Crazy. And there's a large Cape seal or Cape fur seal population that breed on the shoreline there. Oh, okay. And seals are... Prime targets for the lions, they're being slow to maneuver on land and rich in fat. Oh, yeah. I wonder, yeah, I wonder how if they like the taste of them. I don't know. I would think that's crazy. Apparently, these desert lions became locally extinct in 1990 due to uh, persecution from livestock farmers. Oh, however, by 1997, a pride returned and the area returned to the area, and the numbers have increased ever since. There are now around 150 of these desert lions. And these lions have also adapted to not only hunting seals, but like seabirds, like flamingos and cormorants. And they've also been seen foraging in tidal areas. So it's likely their diet is expanding to other marine life like shellfish, crab, or even like sea turtles. Oh boy, that'll give their digestive system a run for its money. (laughs) It very well might. But the, uh, these desert lions are the only lions known to hunt like this. Wow, that's crazy. Very interesting, though, and I think it's not something that you picture lions doing at no, all. No, you never would have, You would never think that. Yeah, we'll see that on a National Geographic show or something. Mm-mm. The majestic lion hunts the pink flamingo. <laughs> <laughs> You're good at that voice. The crab has no defense against the lion. <laughs> something weird. Well, yeah, uh, the uh, that's pretty bizarre, right? Yeah, that uh, is not something you'd think of. All right, so uh, this next story, Dave, is one I've sat on for months, waiting to use, and now seems like the perfect time. Okay, it's short but crazy. Let's go back to June seventh, two thousand eleven, and we are going to rural Canada, actually rural Quebec, about forty kilometers from Ottawa which is the capital of Canada. Mm -hmm. So just kind of picture this, a Pontiac Sunfire traveling east on Highway 148 near the town of Luxville. It'll never make it. Just kidding. (laughs) Go ahead. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, This Pontiac Sunfire at about 1030 hits a black bear. Oh, boy. In the road. It's a, a male black bear around 300 pounds. Okay. That crumpled it. Yeah. Well, <laughs> okay, get this. So once the car collides with the bear, the bear goes flying in the air, okay? Oh, man. So coming in the opposite direction is a Nissan Pathfinder SUV. Oh, oh man. The bear flies directly into the windshield of the Pathfinder, oh, coming the opposite direction. Oh, wow. Inside the Pathfinder, <laughs> the driver is a 25... I so wish that was on a dash cam. <laughs> <laughs> the driver is a 25-year-old woman, and the passenger seat is her 28-year-old boyfriend, and in the back seat is a 40-year-old man, not sure of the relation... Well, the woman driving and the man in the back seat were struck by the flying oh, bear man. going through the windshield. They were pronounced dead at the scene. Oh, wow. Two people died from this. Uh, the boyfriend in the front passenger seat only suffered minor injuries. Oh, wow. And the two male occupants in the Pontiac Sunfire were not even hurt. Oh, They're the crazy. ones who originally uh, initially hit it. Wow. Police believe the car, which was lowered, the Sunfire, was lower to the ground than the SUV, had a more aerodynamic design, must uh-huh. have thrust the bear into the air and into the other lane. Yeah. Okay. The SUV being larger would have driven right into the path of the bear as it was coming down. Oh. And the bear actually went 
through the wind through the front windshield and through the back windshield. Oh my goodness! And hit collided with two people and killed two people. Jeez! Can you imagine that? Isn't that just that is crazy? The f- freakiest of accidents you could think of. Yeah, was the bear okay or did it die? Oh, the bear's dead. Oh, so <laughs> the bear just walked off and said, like, "Gosh, you guys." <laughs> no. Well, because you like you know if you go through windshields. And you know, it's, it's it's the sudden impact that'll kill, or this, you know, the sudden, which I guess, yeah, it's the sudden impact or for, stoppage of force that. So if you're going through windshields, you're breaking through, mm-hmm. transferring the energy, and so sometimes, I mean, people that fly out you of can. cars sometimes they have a better chance of of living than all of a sudden coming to a complete stop, right, within a second. I believe you. So uh, yeah, I guess that would, but uh, yeah, I mean. I don't. I don't really know how the bear was struck or anything, because it might have gone. It might have gone from one direction to the next pretty darn quick. So I don't, I don't know. know. I don't know how it all worked uh, out exactly, but two people died from it. Uh, it's just a wild story. That is sad. Yeah. Well, I wonder if they if uh, that was counted as as two bear deaths for the year. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think so. Oh, good. Okay, good. We don't want yeah, to road skew collisions. The don't count. For that. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, wild story. I think. Yeah. Okay. So, next one. So, our next story is very bizarre. I'm going to going to come right out of the gate and say what happens in this story. Okay. This is kind of like the headline. A racing pigeon was sold for 1.2 million euros. Whoa. Oh, wow. Sounds weird, right? Sounds like a money laundering thing. <laughs> well, a lot it's too... It's like, well, we've got, i got to buy something off you. How about this pigeon? Sure. <laughs> <laughs> Well, uh, a lot to unwrap, so let's figure it out. Okay. So these racing pigeons... Talk about your money flying away. (laughs) (laughs) These racing pigeons, or homing pigeons, are raced by releasing them sometimes hundreds of miles from home with the the first to make it back is the winner. Okay. That's kind of what they do. And in the pigeon racing community, the pigeons are treated like well, like racing horses. Okay. So they are looked after, you know what I mean? Yeah. I wonder if it's like, it kind of sounds like Speed Racer, where you, they, they let them off. And they're like, we can't tell what's going on. And those pigeons might be going after each other. Maybe they start putting uh, missile-guided systems on, <laughs> little tiny missile-guided systems on them to take out the other competitors. Who knows? <laughs> like you Mario Kart, but for pigeons. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Right, hundreds so, of miles each. Wow, that's crazy. Yeah, hundreds of miles. All right, so I imagine it's mostly like it's just rich people bet on these races, and that's how money is made, and that makes it lucrative, I yeah. guess. I didn't even know this was a thing. But pigeon racing is biggest in Belgium, Britain, France, and the Netherlands. Hmm. Although it has been in decline... However, interest in Asian buyers in recent years has given the practice a new lease on life. Oh. So it's picking up in Asia. Uh, so a Belgian man named Joel Verschoot is a pigeon trainer. Actually, they call themselves, they don't call themselves, uh, the people who are into this, they're called pigeon fanciers. Oh, interesting. That, that doesn't have a good ring to it. It sounds fancy aristocratic. Pigeons. Yes. Um, this Joel guy has made a living fancying pigeons. <laughs> Doesn't that just sound weird? Yeah. Uh, he spends 12 hours a day working with hundreds of pigeons. Wow. And he owns a very special pigeon. The Michael Jordan of pigeons. Nice. This pigeon is named Armando. <laughs> Armando. That's a perfect name for a, good a name. fancy pigeon. Armando uh. is considered the best long-distance racer of all time. Wow. <laughs> and he has won many high-profile races during his career. Back in March... Oh, okay, so back in March 2019, Joel decided to auction off his prized bird. Hmm. Previously, the record for most expensive pigeon was a pigeon named Nadine... That sold for 376,000 euros. Wow. That's about 425,000 American. And Armando was expected to break this record, but not by such a wide margin. He really broke the record. Everyone was surprised when Armando was auctioned off for 1.2 million euros. Wow. That's about 1.4 million American. And he was bought by a Chinese buyer. That's oh, where it's picking okay. up. 
Uh, Armando is the most expensive pigeon ever sold at auction. Wow. <laughs> and actually, Joel sold 178 pigeons at this particular oh auction. Oh my goodness. Adding up to a total of $2.7 million. Wow. Dave's cashing out. Dave, maybe we, we're we in the wrong business. We should get into uh, pigeon fancying instead of podcasting. I know, right? <laughs> Why is it that you could sell anything to China and make millions? <laughs> what is going on here? we gotta we got to find something to sell them real quick. <laughs> no kidding. <laughs> this podcast. <laughs> yeah, well, from a story that I'm going to tell later, we might be kicked out of China. Oh really? Oh <laughs> yeah. boy. Okay. But uh, so it's it's suspected that Armando will be used as a breeding pigeon ah. to give more to get more Michael Jordan pigeons. So Armando's job now is basically to just be banging lady pigeons. <laughs> Good for you, Armando. Good nice. for you. Uh, but yeah, that is the most expensive pigeon in the world. Wow, that's crazy. And there there actually is one famous person I'm aware of that fancies pigeons. Former world heavyweight boxing champ Mike Tyson. Oh, really? Yeah, he's quite the pigeon fancier, I guess. Interesting. And I've actually heard that before. Oh, okay. I think um, that is, I don't know if he still has it, but his Las Vegas mansion, he had a big area set just for pigeons and wow, he was really okay. into he was really fancying pigeons i guess wow what would i wonder what would happen if his tiger got into the pigeon cage <laughs> well there wouldn't be any pigeons <laughs> he'd be pretty upset about that yeah man. okay so well this is the the chinese story i was telling you about oh okay so dave this next one i have is one i've really held on to for a while and we are going to dive into some unknown history here okay and we are both big history guys. And I, I majored in history, and I actually wrote college papers on this part of history. Oh, did you? So okay. I, I, I'm pretty familiar with this. However, I never knew about this aspect oh. of the story. So we are going to communist China in 1958. I don't know if you're familiar with that time period in China. A little bit. That's well, it wasn't that's very after good after the Korean War, I believe. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's closer to Vietnam. Yeah. Well, it's, it wasn't a good time. the The leader of China in the time period is the infamous Mao Zedong. Hmm. Does that ring a bell? No. Okay. Well. He was a major dictator in China. Many say he would be on the same level as Hitler, Stalin, Ooh. North Korea, Pol Pot. This is not He was in Cambodia, I believe. Oh, okay. But this is not a good list to be on, to no. say it at all. So tens of millions of Chinese people died under his reign. Wow. Uh, mostly from famine. Oh, boy. And he had a big state, state of terror, very similar to Stalin, the communist ways. Yeah. But yeah, he's right up on on that that list of Gee. the worst dictators to be around and the most deaths contributed. So he's very similar in Stalin, like I said, because the communism. Yeah, uh, uh, that's why this story is so fascinating to me. But Mao Zedong undertook several massive campaigns in an attempt to modernize and improve life in China. This was called the Great Leap Forward. Okay, it was not a leap forward. Mm. Well, and one of his ideas, he decreed that all the sparrows in the country were to be killed. Why? He wanted to kill all the sparrows. He decided that China could do without pests like sparrows. Uh, Mao, Mao thought that sparrows ate too much grain, and it seemed rational to him to kill all the sparrows. What? Yep. Wow. Uh, does that sound like a bad idea yet? Uh, yeah? Yeah, it, well, it definitely was. And it ended up being one of the worst environmental disasters ever in history. Oh, boy. So, people were mobilized to eradicate the birds. Sparrows are just, like, very small birds, too. Yeah. People used beating drums to scare the birds from landing, forcing them to fly until they died of exhaustion. Oh, my goodness. That's one way of killing them. Why didn't they just do that around the farms? Do what? Just beat drums around the farms. Well, that's they probably the what they did. Well, that's they wanted. They had to take it a step further. Oh my goodness! 
So, you, Dave, do you remember that hummingbird that came into your house? Yeah. And we were trying to catch that poor little yeah. thing, and it just kept flying around until I thought it was finally able to catch yeah. it with my hand. But that's because it was exhausted. Mm-hmm. And so you could see how that could happen, right? Yeah. People tore down sparrow nests and shot them from the sky. It was an all-out sparrow holocaust. Gee. Uh, the result pushed these sparrows to the brink of extinction. And there is no info on how many sparrows there were in China in 1958. But if there was one for each person, then there would be more than 600 million wow. sparrows. Because that's how many people were around in China then. Okay. So hundreds of millions of sparrows must have been killed during this time. Jeez. Well, killing all the sparrows turned out to be a very bad idea. For the next grow, especially for the next growing season, turns out that sparrows they were the main predators for locusts. Oh, and the main predators for locusts and other pest insects. And the sparrows did eat some grain, but they also ate the insects. Now there's no sparrows to eat the insects. Locust populations boomed and ate everything in their path. Without the sparrows to st- without the sparrows to stop them, it was easy sailing for them. Gee. Grain production in most rural areas collapsed, and a massive famine began, Ooh. and people had nothing to eat. Wow! And you know there was probably like one guy talking to Mao. He's like, "Hey Mao, I don't know if killing all these sparrows is such a good idea. It could cause an environmental disaster." And he's probably like, silence. I kill you and your family. <laughs> you started to look like sparrow. <laughs> Yeah, you, you sound like Sparrow. Yeah, you know there was had to be somebody, but that's what these dictators, they, it's, yep. it's authoritative yeah. rule, and it's what they say goes. And they probably did kill somebody and their family for trying to tell them otherwise. Yeah. Um, th- this famine was so bad, though, people resorted to cannibalism. Oh, wow. Like, Dave, this was one of the worst things in history. Oh, man. People were murdered for a piece of food. Wow. And I, like, I really can't explain how bad this was for China during the time. The, pe- the poor people living, living there at this time. The official death toll from the Chinese government was 15 million. Wow. But some scholars say it was more than it was. It's likely way more upwards of 50 million. Oh, wow. And I don't know what extent the killings of sparrows had to do with this, but it definitely played a role. And I've never yeah. heard of this sparrow story, but I knew about the famine, like oh, how bad okay. it was. And it that's about how many people died from it. Wow. And yeah, and during 1958 to 1962, the Chinese death rate was the Chinese death rate was way above the birth rate for that 4 or wow. 5 year period. It was it's it's really a crazy part of history in China. Yeah. The great Famine remains a taboo topic in China to this day. And a, a Chinese journalist released a book called Tombstone telling this story, and it was just quickly banned. Oh, wow. Too soon? Too soon. Too soon. <laughs> uh, and, like, uh, our show could be banned in China now for telling this. Oh, boy. That's how That's they... I'm not, I'm not even, like, kidding. Like, wow. That could, we could be banned in China now. That's nuts. That's... Oh, man. That's tough. Yeah, it's it's super tough to having to resort to cannibalism to oh, survive. Yeah, yeah. and like I, I studied Mao Zedong and knew about the Great Famines, but I yeah I never knew about the sparrows, and it was super interesting to me. And that's why I held yeah. on to the story for so long. It does show how you know every time we keep trying to balance something out that happens, we create another effect. You know, we talked about that and, and the, the invasive species yeah. episodes. Yeah. Yeah. We talked about a little bit about that brushed upon that. So, and this shows, yeah, eradicate, eradicate an entire species. Look, what, species, happens, look what happens. Yeah. I mean, look, you know, when we almost did Buffalo, mm-hmm. that changed quite a bit. Yeah. So, ah, yeah. Well, oh, it's a good <laughs> thing they didn't get rid of the sparrows then. That is a good thing. Well, they, they almost did. But hopefully the sparrows are doing okay now. Uh, yeah. <laughs> for everybody's sake. Their lesson. Yeah. yeah. For everybody's sake. Hope they are. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's a super uh, interesting story to me. Yeah. Okay. So Dave, my next story is a very special one actually, because it is a story from a listener. Oh. This uh, this was sent in to us just a few days ago. 
The story comes from 15-year-old Madeline from Ohio. Is it Madeline or Madeline? I don't know. Check it out. Let's see. I think it would be Madeline. We'll go with Madeline. Yeah. Hopefully we're right. Yeah. <laughs> well, first she said that she is a big fan of the show, and her and her dad uh, like swapping animal attack stories. Oh, right on. And she also said she listened to one of our rabies episodes and got super paranoid because she got scratched by a stray cat just a few hours after listening oh. to it. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so... I, I have to admit, uh, sometimes I think the same I, thing. I, I wonder how many people do get paranoid <laughs> because of our rabies episodes from now on. But yes, yeah. hopefully she does not have... Rabies. So... Yes, that, uh, hopefully not. <laughs> okay, so her story is back, com- or is back in 2010. So her, her brother, and her dad were in a borrowed grain truck driving to a gas station near their house. Uh, after filling up the truck, her dad started and began pulling out of the parking lot when he felt something crawl across his foot. Oh. He looked down and saw a foot-and-a-half-long copperhead snake <laughs> slithering across the floorboards of the truck. Oh that freaked you out, wasn't it? Yeah. Her dad tells them, or he stops, I imagine he stops, tells tells them to get out, to get out while he opened the door. Uh, Madeline says she's not sure why, but she didn't want to get out on her brother's side. They had probably been fighting. <laughs> <laughs> the snake then started slithering up the seat towards her. Oh. Her dad, who is apparently terrified of snakes, grabbed it by the tail and threw it out threw it out of the truck and onto the pavement. Oh, wow. The copperhead kind of began slithering away before veering back towards them and kind of... Oh, my goodness. ...kind of coiled up, as they do. And at this point, a man who just came out of the the store came and asked if he could have it. (laughs) (laughs) He asked them if he could have it and take back to his place and take care of some mice in his barn. Oh, Okay. And I just, like, imagine Madeline and her family were like, uh, yeah, I guess so. You can take it. It's not like we... Here, take it, take it. Yeah, yeah, or that's how they were, yeah. Oh, that'll be $50, too, please. (laughs) (laughs) Make some money on the set. But the the man attempted to grab the snake, but it lashed out and bit his boot. Oh, whoa. Uh, To no effect, it seems like. Uh, But the, the man then grabbed it behind the head and... The thrashing snake and put the thrashing snake into a toolbox, <laughs> and then put the put it in the back of his truck. Is like, all right, thanks. Wow, <laughs> uh, that's great. I hope he doesn't get drunk and be like, hey, hey, buddy, why don't you open up that their toolbox? <laughs> Tries to fix somebody's truck and oh yeah, there's a snake in there. <laughs> yeah. There's a snake in my toolbox. <laughs> yeah. uh, but um, how he was planning to get it out is anyone's guess. Yeah, but I guess uh, you just open it up in the barn. Yeah. So welcome home. <laughs> <laughs> but Madeline and her family figure that since they were driving a grain truck, the snake crawled inside to kind of look for mice. That's, okay, what, that's what they, yeah. they think. Makes sense. Yeah. And it really makes you wonder what happened with the guy and his new snake. Yeah. I, I bet they got along, you know. <laughs> snake, I mean, he had a, a purpose for it, you know. He did. Yeah. I don't know if I still don't know if I'd want a venomous snake in my barn. Uh, yeah, I don't know if I would either. I mean, it does serve a purpose. Because if you but, go in the barn, you'll have Yeah, what if you accidentally... Or one of... Maybe one of your animals, besides the mice. Oh, that's true, yeah. Yeah. Well, well... Maybe <laughs> he didn't know When you're a redneck. I, I just assumed like, oh, redneck. a snake. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But uh, I really like that story. So, yeah, once again, crazy. thank you, Madeline, for sending that in to us. Uh, we, it's really cool. And hopefully that will encourage other listeners to send them in some stories as well, because yeah. we will share them. Yeah. So thank you, Madeline. All right, Dave. So I actually have two more stories for us this episode. Okay. But they're both pretty dark. Oh, are they? Okay. And not so happy. Oh. So I think you should go now. Okay. <laughs> lighten the mood before we get into some darkness, I guess. Okay. So, so why don't you go? Mine's not so much of a crazy one, it, but it is 
cool. I think it's cool. Okay. Okay, so this is going to have to do with, uh, um, you've heard of SEAL Team 6, right? They killed we, Osama bin Laden? That's right, yeah. We, we, you know, of course, it says SEAL Team in the name. It doesn't make it an animal. But anyway, <laughs> they, they actually had uh, a, a canine as part of uh, SEAL Team 6. Okay. Did you know that? I don't know. I didn't. Yeah, I didn't either, but it, it, they did. Um, there's one of the guys on SEAL Team 6, Will Chesney. He mm-hmm. was the handler. Okay. Um, for a dog named Cairo, and it's pretty interesting because uh, when he when Chesney joined uh, the SEAL team, they're like, "Okay, you're gonna get a, you're gonna be a handler." He's like, "Okay," and they were. I guess he got to he he was, you know, they because they have multiple dogs that the they military trains. Mm-hmm. He's like, hmm, and it was funny because at one point he's like, ah, he's like, I didn't really want the one they gave me, which Cairo. Mm-hmm. He's like, I was looking at another one. Um, oh, why is this not? Sorry, this isn't. Working for me, but he I was, he was another dog. He's like, I like this one because it would, it would like to play once in a while. Mm-hmm. He's like, Cairo was a little more serious, and uh, so he he wanted to, but they're like, nope. Guess what? You're getting Cairo. This is the dog for okay. you. And they're like, okay, you know, when the military says he, that's that's what happens. You know, that's what you get. So he's like, all right. So uh, anyway, uh, Bronco, sorry, Bronco was the other dog. Bronco's the other yeah. dog. So he got Cairo, but he quickly learned. Oh man, this is. This dog, yeah, this dog's great. So they use him for multiple things. I mean, if you think about it, military dogs are trained for a lot of things. But mm-hmm. if this is going to be on a SEAL team, this dog's good. It's got to be good. Man. Yeah. So they would use it when they go out on missions. Um, and there, a lot of it was night missions because you know, they're all covert. Mm-hmm. And so he's like, yeah, we had night vision goggles. It's great. But everything is in green and greens and yeah. and black, you know. So he's like... It was great having the dog because, honestly, the dog was finding stuff we didn't. Mm-hmm. He's like, we could be looking, seeing, and uh, next thing you know, the dog finds guys waiting to pop out at us, you know? Wow. Because so, it just, it can sniff him out. Mm-hmm. It'll know. It just knows. So he's like, this is a, this dog's amazing. They had one time when they were they were uh, um, uh, watching a, a village. Um, they had to go out and do a mission um, to check something um, because they thought they were going to be attacked. He unleashes the dog. Whoosh! Dog goes over, jumps a four-foot wall, and, oh, cool. and runs out. And after a while, he, he starts calling the dog back, and it wasn't coming. He's freaking out. He's like, oh, shoot. So he calls it back, and finally it kind of came around the, the wall, and it was bleeding. It had gotten wow. shot. Uh, um, Cairo got shot? Yeah, Cairo got shot because he, he found a couple of guys waiting to pop out again. So save them. Uh-huh. Wow. So they knew he was there, but they, he got shot. He yells out, uh, I don't know what they, if they, pro- it's, it stands for, it's an abbreviation, friendly wounded in action. Mm-hmm. So I guess they would say FUIA or something like that. Okay. I, I would assume because they like to shorten stuff. But yeah. So it's friendly wounded in action. Yell that out. SEAL team medic comes and he's just stuffing gauze in the dog. It had got, he, he got hit in the chest and the leg mm. and just bleeding all over. Stuffed him with gauze. They, they uh, medvaced him out, got him, uh, took him to the, the field hospital. He got, uh, the, the, he doesn't get a vet treating him. He gets actual, actual surgeons. Yeah. Wow. And they surgically heal, they, they operate on him. And so. Uh, it's just like one of the boys, like one oh, of the soldiers. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's kind of neat how they do treat him like that. Mm-hmm. I mean, if, and if you think about it, they should. When they put that much effort into everything they train and know, mm-hmm. and when they know this dog is that good to do all this stuff, yeah, you. You, you take care it, of it's them. not it's not easily re- you can't replace something no. like that you know and that's kind of how we feel about uh you know uh, pe- uh human life too right know? so we treat it that way so anyway chesney uh his handler he's with him all night just worrying oh man he might be gone i don't know if he's gonna make it and then but ends up wake up in the morning to him to him licking his face and he's like oh Aww. good good so um he had such a bond with him uh even more after that point so he was he was good to go, um, and then anyway, yeah. So it came around time. The big story, of course, was when uh, they got a call one one time saying, "Hey, prep up, something big's going on tonight." What is it? Well, I'm not telling you. Just prep up. We'll tell you later. What um, year was that? Was it, uh, was it, was it 2011, I think. Oh. Yeah, I believe it was 2011. Um, anyway, they. Um, let me double check. Yep. Yeah, because he got wounded in 2009. Okay. Um, 2011. So anyway, they, and they had, 
the, they had trained for stuff for for this too because they said uh, they had stuff set apart. Uh, like they had a, I guess they had built a compound to look like what they were raiding. Oh yeah, because they, they had they, they had a practice. Okay. Yeah, but anyway, and then uh, they dropped him off in the in the was, was a Black Hawk helicopter. I can't remember what can't remember. what which one it was. Um, I think it I think it was a black. Anyway, it was one of those helicopters. Yeah, Black Hawk. Blackhawk. So anyway, they dropped them. They dropped Cairo, Cairo off with them. They all went out and did their mission. Well, before SEAL Team 6 went in, they unleashed the dog. And the dog knew it. They're like, go. And he does a perimeter check. Really? He's What he did was the, they had the dog check to see if there were any explosive booby traps mm-hmm. around where they were going to go. And if there were any tunnels for humans to escape in. So he went around twice oh. checking it out. And it was clear. And they're like, okay, let's go in. They took him. They took him in. Took the dog in. By the time they get the dog up to where everything else is, the guy's like, nope, it's 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 over. It's good. It's all gone. Like they'd already wiped out. Already but yeah. wiped the house out. But that was that was interesting because that's, cool. that's what they used uh, Cairo for. So and they all got medals. Poor Cairo didn't get a medal for that. It was kind of kind of sad. Give him a treat. Yeah. But anyway, uh, after that, Chesney he had gotten Chesney got wounded pretty bad on a mission too, mm. and he ended up. Uh, 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 just you know, you know. Anyway, so he's not a seal anymore. So wow. he went back to civilian life, and he was having a tough time, um, PTSD and all that stuff. Well, a couple of years after he left uh, this, the military, he found out that uh, um, Cairo was going to be um, discharged. Oh, okay. And he's like, I want him. And oh, he, yeah. he was jumping on it, but um, there were other people that wanted him too. So he's doing everything. He's like, he's like, I spent my time. Uh, thinking of um, what I could do to to steal him, kidnap him, you know, <laughs> and all this stuff. He bought a, he bought a motorcycle with a sidecar. He's like he's planning out everything he's gonna do with his dog. <laughs> I'm sure he was he was probably writing away to to the powers that be, mm-hmm. saying, "Please, I want this dog." And uh, finally, he gets a call. He's yours. And he's like, oh, "Sweet." So he got the dog. Um, that and he that really helped him because he really he needed that bond oh, yeah. again from yeah you know you spend your life like that uh, it's a hard together. thing to do you, yeah when you're risking your life with people you get that bond with them uh-huh. um, so and then he he actually let's see he the dog ends up passing away in 2015 um, just old natural and, causes and, yeah I mean he he had been wounded too so that took a toll I mean, he had some things taking a toll on him but yeah. He just got old, battle-scarred, and it was time to go. So it's kind of a sad moment. But uh, Chesney actually wrote a book um, about about uh, um, him and him and uh, Cairo. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, but it's. It, I thought that was a great story. It's kind of that is a great to story. See the the how, man, I love seeing how, what they could, what dogs do, animals do to help us. Yeah, it's it, always that been is cool. such a strong relationship with uh, mm-hmm. uh, man and. Well, think and, about what a dog, big you know? role that dog played in checking the perimeter. That's oh a yeah, huge role. Yeah, because without that, you might not even do it because you're not sure of what's going on. You'd be so nervous. Yeah, or it'd slow you down and mm-hmm. give chance for some someone to react. So that dog had played a huge role. Yeah, and he didn't get a metal kind of like how like chewbacca didn't get one in star wars yeah that's what that reminded me of yeah. oh oh another thing too um i i'm sorry i forgot to tell you during that seal team six you know with the black hawk went down yeah, yeah and uh so that created ruckus the neighborhood knew something was up and so they started coming to the compound while the dog was helping to keep them off of the while the soldiers were packing up and getting intel getting ready to to get out really yeah it's like barking and oh yeah his he's, ground. he's yeah he's kind of sweeping a perimeter keeping everyone back it's pretty interesting <laughs> what a cool dog yeah yeah that's a good story thank yeah. you dave well yeah. dave you you were telling me off air you were suggesting an episode idea what i need to share oh yeah i'm thinking of doing an episode on uh um you know we're uh, dogs and working dogs their, yeah all of their uh you know that we could go we could even do an episode on each one there's hunting dogs. There's there's uh, herding dog. You know all kinds of stuff that dogs have done. Fire do. canines. Yeah. So we could we could do so many. I, I we think really we could. could. That's a, on, you just op- except for you just opened up another huge window. Like our <laughs> our topic isn't broad enough. Now you just made it like ten times oh, broader. Yeah. All right, guys, drink a keg on that one. <laughs> <laughs> we, we will cover. I, I really like that idea. Working dogs. Yeah. We'll do a little segment. We could do a little segment on each. You talked about the ones in Switzerland once that were yeah. uh, it was like ski patrol dogs. 
Yeah. Oh, that was the St. Bernard was. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So you've talked yeah. about that before, Kyle. You just opened, like, Dave, you opened up a huge window right here. That I like be... it, though. We could do a two or three parter on it. Oh, yeah. There's a lot. I mean, they've been doing this for hundreds longer than well, we've been for writing. centuries. You know, it's like, yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, if just a little teaser, I guess, if you want. They, they, they think people have even used herd dogs for 10,000 year, oh, really? 10, years ago, wow. at least. So it's crazy to think that they were we've had this relationship for that long you know oh yeah for sure have yeah cool well good job that was that was a really good story i was i didn't know all that before yeah okay so my next story is very bizarre uh like i said these are a little darker are they okay a little darker let's go to kingsport tennessee a very rural area, and we go back in time to September 11th, 1916. On this day, the Sparks World Famous Shows Circus is in town. Huh. Circus is in town, you know? The, the star attraction of the show is a five-ton Asian elephant named Mary. Uh, let's also meet a man. This guy's name is Walter Eldridge. He is actually nicknamed Red because of his rusty colored hair. So Walter was hired as an elephant trainer two days before this. And before this, he was a homeless man with zero qualifications to do this. (laughs) (laughs) He was, in the articles, he was a hobo two days ago before this. And he didn't, he has zero, he's never worked with an elephant before. Oh my goodness. All right. An accident waiting to happen. So. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you forgot to ask the million-dollar question. What's the average life expectancy of an elephant trainer? Two days. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't, I, for some reason, he was hired, though. And, yeah, this is, this is only his second day working with Mary. Okay. So they are doing a show. They're in the middle of a show. Walter is riding on Mary's back. There's lots of people there. There's families. There's children. It's the circus. Should be a lot of fun, right? Yeah. Not so much. Walter, the inexperienced trainer, prodded uh, Mary behind the ear with a sharp elephant stick. It's, it's kind of like a spear. Ooh. I, I don't know how it, to the extent of it, but it's just kind of like, you know, you got a horse whip. Uh-huh. It's just something to make him get back into it. Okay. Do, what you, do what you say. But... I mean, they they treated these animals terribly back oh. then in the circus. There's circuses like if they need to stab them, they'll stab them. Yeah. So, but yes, um, Walter prodded Mary behind the ear with a sharp stick, with a, the elephant stick, uh, after she reached down to eat a watermelon rind. Oh, okay. This prod sent Mary in a rage. <laughs> And there are mixed reports of what happened next. So I'm going to read two different sides of the story to uh, kind of tell you what happened. According to one eyewitness, Mary snatched Walter with her trunk, threw him against a drink stand, and stepped on his head, crushing it. Oh, boy. That's what one person says. I guess that watermelon she was eating with the little foreshadowing there. Uh, another account said Mary lifted Walter 10 feet in the air, threw him to the ground, and then sunk her tusks entirely through his body. Oh, boy. Those are a couple different. Very different. Accounts. So, yeah. yeah. But Mary then trampled Walter and with her foot tossed his body into the crowd. Oh, my goodness. Not sure how much I buy the second one. With the tusk. Yeah, females yeah. don't really get tusks or like especially oh, long okay. tusks so yeah. i feel like they were sensationalizing this story to make it worse this was from yeah. a newspaper yeah so they were obviously making it sound worse than what it was i do believe the stomping i and definitely even the kicking the I trampling that um i i've seen them just from them running you i've seen oh, yeah. people go flying oh yeah yeah but um whatever happened exactly mary does end up killing walter mm. In front of the whole crowd. Oh, boy. As, I mean, think about it. This is rural Tennessee. You don't expect them to be that bright. <laughs> I don't. Right? Yeah. Back in 1916. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Uh, is, as, is this the equivalent of a Jerry Springer show? Uh, <laughs> yeah. Worse. It's worse. But as the terrified crowd 
screamed and fled. A local blacksmith takes out his pistol and fires five rounds into her hide. Oh, my goodness. But the little effect. Yeah. The pistol. The crowd then began chanting, kill the elephant, kill the elephant. Leaders of the town threatened to not let the circus back in town if Mary was to be included. They were basically saying, get rid of this elephant. And then the circus owner, Charlie Sparks, reluctantly decided that the only way to quickly resolve the uh, potentially ruinous situation was to publicly execute Mary. Oh. I mean, you don't expect... Carnies, they're not very trustworthy people, but... Mm. He's like, oh, he's trying to save his own neck is what he's trying to do. Yeah. So he's like, all right, we'll kill it. Or make money. He might be like, yeah, come charge, back tomorrow Charge your money for this. 30 cents it. a watch. Uh, it was decided that Mary was to be hanged. What in the world? Yeah. So on September 13th, Mary was transported by train to another part of Tennessee, Unicoi County, where a crowd of 2,500 people including children, families, assembled at the rail yard. What happens is really horrific and very brutal. It's really sad what these people did. It doesn't sound like something I'd want to watch. No, I would not want to watch this. But an industrial crane was brought in and a chain put around Mary's neck. The crane began, began to lift her up, but something went wrong. She got about five feet in the air, and the chain broke, and Mary fell to the ground, breaking her hip. Oh. This is, yeah, this is not something I would enjoy watching. No. But these people are into it. They oh. are cheering. They're, they're just into this oh. right now. It's The crane was powered up again. This time, Mary was raised high in the air. She lets out agonizing shrieks and thrashes. Oh, man. I mean, imagine how loud it is with an elephant. Yeah. All while the people are cheering. Oh, man. Finally, Mary fell silent and hung there for a half hour before a local vet finally declared her dead. Oh, man. It's really sad. It's gross, kind of. Yeah. Isn't that gross? That this happened, and it was only a hundred years ago oh, that man. people were like this here in America. I mean, I know it's Tennessee, but here in it's, America, yeah. this is there is a, a photo of her hanging too. Uh, I won't post it or anything like that, but oh, you can okay. check it out if you want. But there's it's a legit photo of her hanging off from a crane, oh, like man. twenty feet in the air. Gee. Yeah, circuses back then were extremely inhumane for the animals. I mean, they still kind of are, but, like, really bad back then. Like, it's literally animal slavery. Yeah. Uh, something like this would not fly now, gladly. Yeah. But that that is the sad story of Mary the Elephant. A bizarre, dark story. Yeah. I told you it was going to be dark. It was. Yeah. It kind of gives you that, huh? Yeah. No, never, probably never forget that story, Matt. Thanks. Well, got another one for you. <laughs> uh. Okay, so I got one more kind of dark story for us. This is a this is mostly a tale of survival. Okay. Okay. Let's go to late 2013, and we go to remote Canada, about 500 miles from Montreal. Let's meet a man named Marco Lavoie, L-A-V-O-I-E. He's 44 years old. So in July, he set out on a canoeing and hiking trip along the Nottaway River that was scheduled to last until October 21st. Where's this at again? In... Canada? Yeah, in rural Canada. Okay. 500 miles from Montreal. Okay. But yeah, so from July to late October, that's a long trip. Yeah. That is a very long trip. I have zero desire to do something like that (laughs) for that long. I barely want to go camping for a weekend. Yeah. But uh, he's joined on the trip by his beloved German Shepherd. Oh, right on. I don't know the dogs. I don't know the name of the German Shepherd, which might be for the best. Oh. We don't want to get too attached to the dog. Okay. 
Early on the trip, Marco has a run-in with a grizzly bear. Ooh. The bear attacked his camp, destroying all of his food, destroyed his canoe, and most of his gear. Oh, man. And the bear would have likely killed Marco had it not been for his dog that drove the bear off, kind of stepped in between them. However, Marco was also injured during this. He mm. hurt his ankle really bad. Oh, yikes. So that this terrible situation yeah. uh, right now. And the attack left him without food or other supplies. He's alone in a very dangerous part of the Canadian wilderness. Oh, boy. And no one expects him, nobody expects to hear from him for another three months. Oh, wow. So he's got three months. Now... What we're what I want to do is we're actually going to skip ahead. Okay. Three months later, we're going to skip ahead. Uh, Marco's family called in and said he was missing, and it took eight days for rescuers to find him after it, they finally called it in. Oh, okay. When he was found, Marco had lost ninety pounds. Oh my goodness! And suffering from hypothermia and dehydration, Ooh. he's in really bad shape and could barely speak oh no how did he survive how did he eat when he could barely walk well a survivor expert said he survived because he made good decisions hungers and then he also went on and says hunger squeezes you so much that you would accept food you would normally never even think of okay he said that you when, when, if you get hungry enough, you'll crave maggots. You'll crave bugs. Wow. That's, I mean, I've never had that before, no. but yeah. Well, Dave, you can probably guess what happens and what he ate. The dog? <laughs> we said that. What? The dog? <laughs> well, a few days after... <laughs> That's just the way you said that. Is it true? We'll find out. A few days after no food, Marco made the extremely tough decision to kill his German shepherd. Oh man, he killed it. Uh, he killed it using a rock. Oh man. And he, yes, Dave, the dog. He ate the dog. Oh, that would be so hard. He ate the dog to survive, and doing this actually saved his life. Sounds like an awful decision to make. That would be a tough one. But when you're in extreme survival mode, you have to make awful decisions. Yeah. Um, I don't know how he survived for three months, though. I'm still perplexed yeah. by that. I mean, I mean, you would think the dog meat would go bad. Yeah. I, I don't know. I, I don't know everything, but yeah. I don't know. Yes, he did kill the dog. I mean, he did, did, he did eat it. Um, but him surviving is crazy in its own right. Yeah. Um, experts say he made the right decision if he wanted to live. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I would never want to do that. No, nobody would want to. You yeah. understand. Yeah. Some people might not, but you're in extreme survival mode. You got to do what you got to do. Yeah. Uh, pretty wild story. Yeah. Hopefully he never goes out on a trip like that again. Uh, I think he did get a new dog after that. So oh, just, you know, kind of keep your eyes on him. <laughs> I mean, like, did he like the dog? Yeah, he wants you to develop a taste to <laughs> dog, you know? I don't know why you went Australia. <laughs> I don't know why either. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, that's, so hopefully he's doing better. I don't know. Yeah. Wild that's story. crazy. Yeah. But Dave, that is going to wrap up the episode. Oh, okay. Told you the last one, two stories were kind of somber. <laughs> you could have ended on a better, on a saved one, you know? <laughs> oh, I could have. I should have done the uh, um, Madeline story last or yeah. something. Oh, well, it happened. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, I still really enjoyed learning all these stories. And yeah, I hope, it's crazy. I hope you did and hope everyone else did. So, Dave, for our next episode, we are going to have our 13th edition of Recent Animal Stories and Attacks. Okay. Those ones are always fun. Yeah. I've already yeah. found a bunch of cool ones. Uh, there's that Yellowstone, another stupid idiot of Yellowstone. Oh, but there's, in a, there's been quite a few lately. Yeah, Have but the, the chicken one. Uh-huh. Like, yeah. So we'll tell. We'll, <laughs> I don't know. I can't. I didn't read the full thing. I just read oh, the yeah, headline. Okay. So. Okay. But yes, there's another... Is it, is it a stupid idiot? It's kind of yes, be. but at the same time, you're like, mm, it's a little ingenious. But yeah, it's just a little wacky. It didn't hurt anybody, did it? 
No, it's okay. just against the the rules for it because okay. it's a national park. You know, <laughs> I don't know. I don't even know exactly what happened. Mm. Uh, well, yeah, we'll tell that story. We've got a bunch of other ones. So, uh, so those that's those are some of our favorite episodes to do, or these the recent ones. And we've got a couple months to cover, so be good. And also, just kind of to reiterate, if you haven't yet, go check uh, Dave and I out on. We were guests on another podcast a couple weeks ago podcast called animals to the max and we were yeah we were guests on it we, we got to share our knowledge of animal stories and animal attacks to an actual animal expert yeah so that, that was a lot of fun so you can go check yeah. us out on that um it's animals to the max you can find it there yeah by corbin maxi by corbin maxi yeah. did you ever give him a review like you said i did it i gotta do that Dave. I, I know I, I know exactly what i'm gonna say yeah i've got to figure out my itunes account because i haven't been on itunes in years like like eight years. I mean, you promised I've, him. I did. So I've got to get, I've got to figure out my my Apple iTunes account. You and all promised that, and him. And then I can do it. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Also, we uh, we do have T-shirts available. So I will be sending them out uh, probably next week. Uh, nice. If you, there's been a couple of people that have pre-ordered them. So I, I've got them. I've got their messages. I'm sure. So if you have pre-ordered one. I'll be getting to you or get to me. That might be easier again. Yeah. And um, kind of message me on either Facebook, like DM me. So you're not giving me your address. They're pretty sweet too. Yeah, they are really good. Too. I, I, several people at my work have bought them. Right so, on. Yeah. And I went to work today and two people were wearing them today. Nice. Yeah, kind of cool. But yeah, the t-shirts are great. Um, we, If you want one, just like, like I said, DM us and... Send us some information. I'll give you a, a quote, and you can send the money, and then we'll send it. So th- sounds that, good. that sounds right. Yeah. Okay. So, yes, T-shirts are available. Get them now. <laughs> and, Dave, if people want to help us out, want to contribute to the show, what can they do for us? Go to iTunes, Apple Podcasts, wherever you listen to. Subscribe, re- review, give us five stars. Say something you like about the show. It really helps us gain more attention, gain more listeners. Um, if Also, uh, because this was a pretty crazy and bizarre show, if you want to be even more crazy and bizarre, you can actually donate a little bit of money this way. <laughs> Very good, Dave. Yes, you can go to PayPal. You can find us by our email, forceofnaturepod at gmail.com, or on Venmo on my personal account, Matthew-Hamilton-51. And all that info is in the description below. And I've I've been setting up a Patreon, too. It's actually really hard to set up. Is it? Interesting. So, yeah, I'll talk to you about it later. Okay. Yeah, it's it's quite hard to set up, so I'll, I'll figure it out. Okay. And to all the listeners, feel free to contact us if you ever want to. Tell us a cool animal-related story of you or someone you know. Um, or if you want to suggest an episode idea. Or if you know, want to ask a question or say hi, please feel free. You can email us or message us on Facebook or Instagram. And you also help help us grow by recommending us to family and friends. Tell them we are on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google, all the platforms we need to be on. And actually, Dave, I have a couple of things to, real quick to add. Okay. That is kind of funny. So... If you've noticed, there's an ad playing on our show now. No. There is. And I didn't, like, confirm it or anything like oh. that. But there, it's just an ad. It's at the, at the beginning, and it uh, it plays. It's an ad for another podcast, like 40 seconds. Oh, okay. That's good. So, well, it's not something about, like, Viagra or something. No, it's, it's an actually decent-sounding okay, podcast. Okay, good. But uh, guess how much money we've made from it. How it's much? been running for about two, three weeks. Three weeks, I think. Guess how much money we've made. Have we made uh, as much as that uh, pigeon, racing pigeon. <laughs> yeah, we can retire. <laughs> uh, no, we have made a total of two dollars and fourteen cents. Oh, hey! <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how it's calculated or how it works, but yeah. Nice. And then also, I found out um, that we are ranked one hundred and twenty fourth in the society and culture platform. Oh. In Poland. <laughs> oh. <laughs> nice. So hey, we're a. Uh, we're a, we're a hit in Poland, I guess. Yeah, I don't know. Poland, we love you. <laughs> Isn't that funny? Yeah, that's uh, crazy. Yeah, it's pretty funny. All right. Um, do you, Dave? Do you have anything else, Dan? Oh, do you have shoutouts? No, shout-outs we didn't have any shoutouts. Oh, time. we don't. Okay. We we got a lot of we got several like five stars, but they didn't write a review. Oh, okay. Okay. But th- we got a bunch of five stars. Okay. So thanks oh, to good. everybody who did yeah. that. Um, you're good. I'm good then. All yeah. right. Well, uh, Professor Cheetor. David, I know you're an addict, but you just have to get your fix, don't you? Gotta get your Disney fix by going to Disney World this week, huh? Yeah, Dave. Uh, yeah, you, 
He called me out on it. Yeah. Hey, we're going to the animal kingdom, though. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Want me to say hi to your mom? <laughs> oh. No, do you know you should <laughs> we'll say hi to your mom? <laughs> <laughs> you should wear your force of nature. Your whole family should wear the force of nature oh, t-shirts. Yes. When you great go to the animal idea. kingdom. That's yeah. a great idea. You promote <laughs> us. But yeah, be careful while you're there. Yeah. Don't get sick. Uh, don't touch Floridians. <laughs> <laughs> we all know that, how crazy they are. <laughs> but be careful while you're there. All right. All right. We will. Uh, This is Force of Nature Podcast. Thank you for joining us. Tell your friends. Be a part of building us up. And we will see you next time. Bye.